Yeah, she'll give me a thumbs up. <clears throat> Chair staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you so much. Good evening and welcome to the May 18th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodell? Here. Commissioner Harris? Here. Commissioner Gibson? Here. Commissioner Rowe? Here. Commissioner Gonzalez? Here. Commissioner Hopped? Here. Commissioner Brazel is currently absent. Commissioner Granville? Present. Commissioner Lee? Aye, here. Uh, Commissioner Banks is absent. And Chair Dewar Westberg? Present. Thank you. We have quorum. Fantastic. I'd like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on raise your hand on the bottom of the screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise your hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We'll now proceed to today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenon people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan-Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands. By choosing to gather today an active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. <clears throat> Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? To approve. Great. Thank you. So I have a motion um, from Commissioner Hopped and a second from Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodell? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. 
Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Hopt? Aye. Commissioner Brazel is absent. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner Banks is absent. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Great. We'll now uh, proceed to the discussion calendar. Our first item this evening is item three, the 21st Avenue Beautification Project. Um, this item is for receive and discussion, so just giving you all a heads up. And our presenter will be uh, Stephanie with the City of Sacramento. Go ahead. Do I have to tap it? Okay. Maybe I just need to lean in. I'm kind of short. I'll move it down. There you go. Can you guys hear me better? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Size. I am an assistant civil engineer with the Department of Public Works, and I'm here to present on 21st Avenue Beautification Project. And before I dive into the presentation, I wanted to give you um, an overview of what to expect. So I will be going over the project location, some of the project background, so that you have an understanding of how this project came about and why it's important, and the existing conditions, and uh, what we're proposing uh, to do to um, improve the existing conditions, as well as the schedule and cost. And so, the project location is in North City Farms neighborhood. It's on 21st Avenue, and it intersects Franklin Boulevard. And an important thing to understand is that this project came about uh, due to the Franklin Boulevard Complete Street Project, which is a transformative project that runs through North City Farms neighborhood. And it came about during the planning phase of the project that uh, residents voiced concerns over 21st Avenue. And to give you a little bit of background of what the Franklin Boulevard Complete Street Project is, it's a project that turned an auto-centric corridor into one that is more bikeable and walkable by introducing elements like lane reduction to make space for class four bikeways, trees, landscape, pedestrian scale lighting, and sidewalk widening. And so now it's a multimodal corridor. It will be. Oh, it will be a multimodal <laughs> corridor, um, sorry. And some big picture changes to understand it. So we have Franklin Boulevard Complete Street running through Franklin. And uh, like I mentioned during the planning phase, um, residents mentioned concerns with 21st Avenue. And specifically, parents felt or feel uncomfortable with their children walking to school. And one important thing to understand is 21st Avenue is a connecting corridor for Ethel Phillips Elementary School and Christian Brothers High School. And so um, that's why this project came about. And parents specifically also had concerns with the west side of 21st Avenue, which is where our project is taking place. And to get an understanding of why parents feel uncomfortable, here are the existing conditions. So we have pavement deterioration on 32nd Street, 
at by Ethel Phillips Elementary School. We have um, a narrow sidewalk, and we have dirt ditches with litter on 32nd Street and bare bus stops on 21st Avenue by 32nd Street, and a lot of littering and dumping, as you can see in the uh, corner bottom right picture. And before I dive into the improvements, I want to talk about how um, the project scope came about. And so the city of Sacramento partnered with the Franklin Boulevard Business District and their sister corporation, the Franklin Neighborhood Development Corporation, to apply for this Clean California grant. And the Clean California grant is a new program Caltrans is administering, and it focuses on reducing the amount of waste and debris within public right-of-way, pathways, park, transit centers, and other public spaces, as well as enhancing, rehabilitating, restoring, or installing measures to beautify and improve public spaces and mitigate the urban heat island effect, as well as enhancing public health, cultural connection, and community placemaking by improving public spaces for walking and recreation, as well as advancing equity for underserved communities. And so our project aims to integrate these elements. And here we have the a project element overview of what we will be introducing. And so we will be doing expanding the sidewalk by Ethel Phillips Elementary School, adding shade trees with irrigation and murals on school buildings, as well as adding murals along 21st Avenue and adding art on things like utility, like a utility box and adding art to the uh, bus stops as well as on 32nd Street, we're adding pedestrian scale lighting, installing curb ramps, and 32nd Street, we're also doing curbing and bioswells and anti-litter signage. And right next to our project is, so Caltrans has their own Clean California project where they're implementing a gateway mural, which will overall, um, the corridor will have a lot of art to make it more vibrant um, and welcoming. And one important thing to also highlight is that, as you can see, we have infrastructure components as well as non-infrastructure components. And so our partner, uh, the FNDC, is managing the non-infrastructure and then the City of Sacramento Department of Public Works is managing the infrastructure component. And together we're partnering to um, build this project. And here we have the existing conditions of the sidewalk that we are proposing to improve. As you can see, there's a narrow sidewalk and a sloped um, asphalt pavement, which makes an uneven surface for kids to walk on. And so we're proposing to expand the sidewalk to then create an even surface so that there aren't as many trip, tripping hazard and things like that. And it'll then make it more walkable and accessible for students. And next here we have 32nd Street, and as you can see on the bottom left, there is a lot of dumping and littering there. There are no curb ramps at the corners, and at the top right you can also see more pictures of just how dumping and littering is really a problem here. And so what we're proposing to do is we are adding a bioswell slash rain garden, which will add an element of greenery and attractiveness to discourage littering and dumping, as well as catching um, litter so it, it prevents it from going into our drainage system, as well as um, we're adding anti-littering signs to also discourage that behavior. 
and then we're adding new curb and gutter and pavement extensions to then help street sweepers more effectively go through there and collect if any litter that may be there. And we're also adding curb ramps at the corners to add, um, make that space more accessible. And here we have the bus stops. As you can see, they're pretty bare. And so what we're proposing to do with our project is to add elements of art to make it more vibrant and welcoming so that when people are waiting, it's a um, more welcoming environment. And our partner is leading the effort um, in implementing the art and working with the artists. And so right now, uh, they're working on kind of creating the concept of what's going to go in there. And here, we are also introducing pedestrian lighting. We heard that the street is dark, and so we're adding more light here to make it feel safer. And as you can see, one of the bus stops is right there between those two lights. And so we're hoping with these implementing these pedestrian lights, we'll also be adding more lighting for people who might be waiting at the bus. Um, and if it's dark, that might help with make them feel more safe and comfortable. And here we have an example of the murals that are going to go up, which will add more vibrancy and attractiveness and also um, hopefully discourage vandalism. And as you can see, it's going to cohesively um, go and match uh, the, in the back you can see that there's a Caltrans project gateway mural. So together it's gonna add to making 21st Avenue more vibrant and attractive. And here is an example of some of the cultural murals that have gone on with gone up with Franklin Boulevard. And so also together, our murals will kind of um, expand the cultural murals that have already gone up with Franklin Boulevard. And here we have the community gateway mural that Caltrans is proposing to do. Uh, their team um, was kind enough to provide these uh, pictures. And as you can see, they're going to be putting murals on both sides of the street to symbolize uh, each community. So the goal is, as you're going towards the community, the elements that you see are uh, symbolisms, or they're catered towards that community. And here, um, one thing that the community uh, mentioned is that they really want the art to speak to the children. And so what the artist is proposing to do is to integrate the school mascots into the murals. So in the middle, you can see in the top that at the left we have a falcon, which represents the mascot for um, Christian Brothers High School. And then to the right, we have a dragon, which is the mascot for Ethel Phillips Elementary School. And at the bottom, we have an oak tree, which is a, a mascot for Oak Ridge Elementary School. And so together this will, um, the goal is to create a more vibrant, exciting uh, mural that gives the feeling of coming home. And here we have a 21st Avenue beautification project mural. Uh, this one actually, uh, the students and faculty started working on it a few weeks ago and they're still in the works. And even had community members volunteering, uh, being really excited to take part in this. And we actually also have a um, 
another paint day coming up on June, Saturday, June 3rd, we have Community Paint Day at 11 a.m., so if anyone is interested in joining, you're welcome and uh, to come on by, and it's gonna be happening in the segment where um, 21st Avenue is between Franklin Boulevard and the underpass. And so if you're interested, feel free to reach out and I can give you more information on that. And so you might be wondering, when are all these great elements coming in? And so, Due to our grant deadline, everything needs to be constructed June 30th of 2024, so next year. And so to meet that deadline, we had to break the project into two phases. And the reasoning for that is because one of the elements is by the school, we want to make sure that we don't impact the school. And so that means that we want to go into construction when the school isn't in session, which would be this summer. And so that's phase one, which will be happening July of this year. And then the re remaining elements will go into construction next February. And the total project cost is around 1.78 million with um, the infrastructure component cost being 1.58 million and the non-infrastructure component cost being around 200,000. And again, I just wanted to reiterate some of the project highlights. So we will be widening the sidewalk at Ethel Phillips Elementary School, which will improve walkability and access. We will be adding curb ramps to 32nd Street, which will make the sidewalks more accessible. And then through the artistic bus stops, cultural murals, and enhanced lighting, we'll create a more active art-filled street that encourages walking, transit use, and visitors to the area. But ultimately, the, the bigger goal is to make 21st Avenue feel more safe and family friendly so that parents feel comfortable having their kids walk to school every day and most importantly for the children to also feel safe and comfortable walking to school every day. And thank you. Any questions? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, before we ask questions, we'll go um, to the public. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have uh, no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Awesome. Commissioner Rowe? Hi, thanks for your presentation. Um, could you speak a little bit about how the, the infrastructure or like the landscaping and such will be maintained? Mm -hmm. So the landscape component, that is something our partner is managing and taking on. So I believe the maintenance um, they will be um, doing, is that? provides some support on this. Yeah. Megan Johnson, senior engineer. Uh, so some of the landscaping, the trees. Would you mind coming up to the mic so the folks at home can hear you? Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so the landscaping is happening in two locations. The trees that will be planted at school will be on school property, and so those will be maintained by the school, and we're working with their maintenance folks on that. And then the vegetated swales on 32nd Street um, the Franklin Business District and the Neighborhood Development Corporation, they have teams that handle the maintenance along their corridor. Commissioner Gonzalez. 
Thank you for that presentation. It was very informative. Um, I just had a quick question about the mural painting day. Um, if that date changes, would you please alert the uh, commission? Because I know myself, I'd like to attend and, and see um, what that's like. Thank you. Of course. I'm also very interested in attending that event. Just a reminder for the commission, I think we can't all go. So maybe if there's a way we could coordinate with Jennifer or Leslie um, on, on who is going to be there and how many of us can actually be there, that, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I have a few questions, so I'll go ahead. Um, thank you so much for your presentation. You did fantastic. It's, uh, I don't know if this was your first time presenting to the public, but you couldn't tell at all. So yeah, really appreciate it. Um, wanted to know if there's an opportunity to add any additional trees within this project. Um, it seemed like you were adding a handful, but the area in general gets really warm and kind of wanting to know, um, yeah, that's possible. With this project, we have a, a set scope, and um, so we're not able to add any more trees, is my understanding, but I can uh, talk to our partner to see if there is a possibility. But from my understanding, uh, we're kind of set on the scope, but... Feel free to jump in. Right yeah, now. to add on to that. Um, so the goal of the trees that we have is to provide shade over the sidewalk. Yeah. And so we have very limited right-of-way on most of, well, almost all of uh, 21st Avenue. Um, because we're working with the school, the school grounds are our best opportunity. So we're pretty much squeezing every tree we can in where it would provide some shade over the sidewalk. Um, but yeah, outside the school limits, we don't have the right-of-way for it. Okay, yeah, because I had another question. I'm wanting to know um, the width of the sidewalks um, and if, like, we could maybe take some of the space away from the tra the vehicle lanes that you currently have so that you do have space for additional trees. Um, or if that's, I know, maybe at the, um, yeah. So with regards to um, on the east side of Franklin Boulevard, where it's between Franklin and um, and the overpass, so that segment, again, narrow street, um, we're reserving space on the street because with the Franklin Complete Street project, they'll be striping bike lanes. Um, and so we want to save some space for the bike lanes. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, the presentation seemed really focused on the pedestrian improvements, but I'm like, I know there's something coming. So, okay, that mm -hmm. makes sense. I wasn't sure if maybe that was feedback you got from the community that they really wanted to invest in the sidewalks over um, bicycle facilities, but it sounds like they're getting both, so that's great. Um, and another question I had was just around the, the dumping that um, is currently occurring there. Um, it's, is the city or your partner aware of who is doing the dumping and able to do targeted outreach um, to make sure that it doesn't continue after these investments are being made? Or, yeah, trying to figure out, like, why are they dumping there? Is there, you know? So the causes of dumping are yeah. many. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that there is a theory that areas that look uncared for and um, disregarded can be more inviting to dumping, and so I think the intention is to make it look more cared for and improve the lighting. Um, with regards to like specific people who are dumping, um, I don't know that we know exactly who they are, but we're just going to try to make it look loved. I think that yeah, valid point. I was just figuring if we could get to the root of the cause of why the dumping's happening. Do we need to put, you know, more trash cans along this road? I didn't recall seeing that as something that's going to be included. So 
Um, yeah, a little bit curious. And then last question. Um, underneath, so I saw the murals that's gonna be happening underneath the highway. Is there any coordination that's taking place with Caltrans to improve the lighting as well underneath the highway um, for more visibility? Yes, so um, a while back we were pestering Caltrans when they were doing their freeway maintenance on 99 and they had approached us because um, they wanted to, they were replacing that deck um, of the 21st Avenue overpass and they wanted to um, coordinate with us on traffic control to reroute. And so anyhow, we, we asked them, since you're replacing the deck, can you improve the lighting? It's really poor. And so they did improve the lights um, on the deck part of it. And then as part of the scope, and I haven't been involved in their Clean California uh, discussions since they got the grant, but they were um, working to basically mount lights on the structure itself, like kind of on the abutment face um, to try to shine lights as best they could. Great. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Glad to hear that the lighting will continue and not just become dark as people approach that facility. So thank you so much. Um, any other commissioner comments or questions? No? Okay. Seeing none. Well, thank you both. Really appreciate your presentation and looking forward to this project. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Our next item this evening will be item four, the Pocket Greenhaven Neighborhood Transportation Plan final draft. Um, and city is asking, or city staff is asking us to pass a motion to recommend to city council approval of the Pocket Greenhaven Transportation Plan. Um, do we have a staff presentation? Yes, we do. Here I am. <clears throat> Take it away. Right. Well, hello. Good evening. My name is Leslie Mancibo. I'm a senior transportation planner in the Department of Public Works here tonight to talk about the Pocket Greenhaven Neighborhood Transportation Plan. Uh, we'll just jump right in. Oh, sorry. There we go. So I've presented to this commission several times throughout the course of this project, but I'll give a, just a really brief background. Uh, we kicked off the Pocket Greenhaven Neighborhood Transportation Plan in February 2020. In February 2020, we had no idea how we would have to shift and adjust to um, what's happening in the world at the time. And so this plan has been a long time in the making. Um, so we adapted and the project team started by evaluating existing conditions, best practices in design, um, design standards, and then community feedback. And we developed some recommendations. The community values that were established at this time were really about slowing vehicle traffic and created a connect, creating a connected network for active transportation. Um, um, as I mentioned, our kickoff was um, ill-timed <laughs> for reasons that were out of our control. Um, and uh, so we had to rethink our entire engagement strategy. We were fortunate to have Councilmember Jennings and his team to help, as well as a highly engaged community group, community groups um, like the Pocket Greenhaven Community Association, um, school leadership, senior living facilities, and others. Over the course of the project, we developed an interactive map and a survey online. We held online workshops. We were learning how to do those Zoom workshops early in the pandemic. And now it's so funny to think about how that's like status quo. And um, we also were fortunate that um, our last phase of, engage phase of engagement, we were able to do in person at the Elks Lodge in the pocket. 
Um, as I mentioned, we have had many iterations of this plan. So today I'm going to focus on the, what's new um, since the last iteration. Um, something to note is early in the planning process, the project team eliminated lane reductions from the menu of options in response to the community's concerns about emergency evacuations. Um, so that uh, changed some of our options that we had initially envisioned for this project. Um, additionally, we published the public draft plan and we heard concerns about the number of new proposed traffic signals. So last time I spoke to this group that you saw the public draft plan and that's one of the significant changes between the public draft and the final draft is we've reduced the number of new traffic signals. Um, and I think I get into that a bit here. Um, so some, but not all of the strategies included in the final draft plan that you had a chance to review include new pedestrian crossings um, consistent with the city's pedestrian crossing guidelines. So that includes RRFBs and pedestrian signals. So that's the predominant number of signals that were included in the final draft plan are pedestrian signals and we're not proposing adding full signals. One of the benefits of that is it does make it a more affordable plan to implement um, because full signals are very expensive. Um, it, in addition to traffic calming measures, um, well, no, some of the traffic calming measures that are included are uh, reduced lane widths, uh, some roundabouts, and speed feedback signs that we, citywide, we don't have a lot of speed feedback signs, but we think that the pocket is a really good test case to see how effective those are. Um, because of the nature of the community being sort of isolated, really. Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Oh, so as I mentioned, the, um, the current plan, the final plan that we have before you today includes uh, the new crossings that you see here. We were trying to maintain a consistent distance between the crossings. We're also working with uh, Megan Johnson and her team on the Sacramento River Parkway plan or project and um, lining those crossings up uh, with um, being mindful of trail, future trail access, and also access to schools, transit stops, community feedback, and then sort of having a consistent um, consistent spacing of crossings. We heard from a lot of people that especially that sort of outer loop there of Pocket Road, Riverside and Pocket is a barrier for this neighborhood to access um, the Great Parkway. Um, I said I would keep it brief, next steps. Um, tonight we are asking the commission to forward a recommendation to city council to approve this plan. Um, once the plan is approved, these projects will be incorporated into the transportation priorities plan. If you had a chance to review the plan that was in the packet, you saw probably that we broke up some of the major proposed changes into 10 focus areas. And so that's how they will be segmented in the transportation priorities plan for funding and implementation. And I'm available for questions. Thank you. Thank you, that was very brief. <laughs> so I think this is the fifth time I know, I I've like been here for this plan. <laughs> We've talked about it a few times. Um, thank you. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I, is this an old? I know. 
<laughs> there we go. There's the hands. Okay. I was like, I think it's delayed. Um, Commissioner Lee. Good, thank you. Um, thanks for the presentation. Really interesting. And I apologize because I have not been here for the four previous presentations, <laughs> so I'm a little bit behind. Um, I didn't read the entire plan, I admit. Um, could you give maybe like a Cliff Notes version, a little bit of a little bit more detail around the traffic calming mm -hmm. measures, um, especially around kind of lane widths and maybe design speeds, if that's something you have? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this is a really big project area, so it is a really big plan. Um, we didn't have time today to go into all the details. Um, if you're familiar with the neighborhood, um, I believe Councilmember Jennings said, Pocket Road is wide enough to land an airplane on. It, so there is a lot of width. And so we were able to narrow mm, the travel lanes and add buffered bikeways and separated bikeways wherever possible. And so even though the community was not... Um, keen on um, lane reductions, um, we were able to still play with the road design because it's so wide. Um, we've added bulb outs in many locations. Most of the new crossings will have bulb outs or pedestrian refuge islands, whatever we had room for within the pedestrian guidelines. Um, we also have a series of new um, roundabouts that are proposed on Rush River, right um, near where there's a lot of senior living facilities. Um, and those were well received by the community as a traffic calming measure because, um, and we were able to fit them in because of the current uh, width of that straight. Uh, and there's other, I think that covers some of the big items. I'll stop rambling there. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you for the. Uh summary and report for us. I just want to address a couple of the public comments that we got on E uh, comments prior to the start of the meeting. Um, and as we saw in the um, PowerPoint and as you went over, uh, there was a pretty extensive community outreach, even though you had challenges, obviously, starting in February 2020. Uh, but that, that, that did happen, right? There was several multifaceted outreach Oh, yeah, we had a huge turnout, actually. Um, and we were all sort of new with the virtual engagement scenario and were shocked by how many community members attended the virtual meetings as well as the in-person meeting at the Elks Lodge that we had for the public draft. And then um, if everything was implemented, we would still have uh, what I would, I guess we would call four-lane roads on on Riverside and Pocket, correct? Um, could you just explain again, just to address some of the comments and the e-comment, um, do you consider those residential streets or more like arterials? Because there's, I mean, there's homes in some of it and the back of homes in others. I'm looking at Megan Johnson because she'll know exactly what the classification is. But they you. are residential in nature that homes do about the street. Right. But is it considered an arterial? I can't say the specific classification it is. It's um, probably a major collector road. Okay, so that's why it stays at four instead of coming down to two, one in each direction. Yeah, and we're getting pretty bold and ambitious with our lane reductions, even on arterials. We have a number of big ones coming in this year. Um, so this <laughs> one could be reduced if the community supported it, but... There was a lot of resistance. Um, we were on the heels of the um, Paradise Fire evacuations, and that startled the community in the event of a flood that they would—they um, were concerned about the lane reductions here. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, uh, thank you. Um, lastly, I'll just share that uh, I grew up in Meadowview and went to John F. Kennedy, so spent a lot of time mm -hmm. in Pocket and Greenhaven, um, and a lot of my friends lived over there. So, unfortunately, when I was 16, 15 and a half and got my driver's license, I spent a lot of time in this community driving way too fast mm -hmm. because I was a careless young person who didn't think any better. In fact, I caused a collision to occur within this community, which I'm very ashamed to admit, but is a truthful part of my past. So I'm very, very happy to see anything that will reduce speeds by design mm -hmm. within the project. It is very, very needed. Thank you. Absolutely, and we worked closely with Kennedy High School um, administration, and they were redesigning their parking lot at the same time that we were working on this plan. So we were able to like incorporate some of the elements of their new parking lot design. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Thank you for the presentation here today. Also, uh, like uh, Commissioner Lee, I haven't had a chance to see the other ones. I'd just like to follow up um, on the uh, public outreach on the staff report. They said there were three virtual meetings and then one in-person meeting. Is that correct? Yes, those were the meetings that we hosted, but I also attended all of the Pocket Green Haven um, Community Association meetings that were during the course of the project. So um, those were sort of ad hoc, I guess, engagement opportunities. And we had online surveys and map exercises. Okay, uh, thank you very much for clarifying. Um, I just, you know, seeing Pocket Road still has uh, four lanes with 40 miles per hour backed up to single-family homes, I still express, uh, you know, reservation that if we're putting in um, a lot of other traffic calming features, in my opinion, the best one is to reduce it to two or three. Um, I understand when something like the Paradise Fire might spark the interest, but I feel like a flood situation, we would have significantly more notice than a 2 a.m. fire. Um, so that concern, um, I want to respect it, but I feel is very kind of different, especially that the there are just looking around five or six exits on that area as opposed to two, which was in Paradise. Mm -hmm. um, so again, just my comment is, you know, we have one shot at this for 50 years. Um, that's kind of how these projects go, and I really think we need lane reductions on there so that um, people who are teenagers that have a fast, new, brand-new pickup truck don't um, cause a collision because it's kind of my rule of thumb is, is, if, is it safe for a 5-year-old to bike on and then somebody that lives next to an arterial with a buffered bike lane where cars where the posted speed limit is 40 and cars regularly go 50 is not something I actually ever see a biker use. So um, that's just my comments and feedback from the project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Gibson. Yeah, I shared similar reservations. I think with this project, I'm really pleased to hear that you had such strong community engagement and people seemed really um, excited to see these improvements come to uh, their neighborhood. But it still kind of feels like we're, we're not gonna see that shift in mode from people wanting to actually bike um, on these facilities um, with, the, with the way that they are planned. Um, and I know the city is, you know, in the process of going through their design standards and, and updating those. So um, wondering, like, if there's a way for this plan um, to maybe, like, wait till those conversations take place and, and, the and, and maybe have another conversation with the community and possibly even do some modeling to, sh to show, you know, how the evacuations would take place um, and, and, and just make it a little bit more apparent to them that, that it is would be possible um, to evacuate from this neighborhood um, with that lane reduction. So 
I guess if I had a question, it would be, did you already do that? Mm -hmm. um, did you do any kind of modeling around evacuation um, for uh, if there were to be a flood? We did not. However, um, this plan is a jumping off point. There's a lot of work to be done in the engineering and environmental phases of the plan or of the process to implement. So I'd say nothing is completely off the table. This is a starting off point and many times we will deliver a plan that is enhanced in the next phase of design. So I can't guarantee anything, but I wouldn't say that it's off the table completely. Okay. That's helpful because I, I feel like we've been in scenarios where we, we actually don't do that because we say, well, the plan said mm -hmm. this, and so this is what we're going to do. And so I'm like, <laughs> if, if, yeah. I, I think I, a great I, example, I'm looking at Megan again yeah. because we're working on a project together at um, Broadway and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard where my team delivered a plan that um, did not include a roundabout, and now that they're in the initial engineering phase, that's a consideration. So as our design standards change, um, these plans can evolve and hopefully evolve for the better. That's very helpful. Thank you. Um, okay. With the final draft of the plan, can you talk a little bit about the circulation of, of that final draft and who received the final document and, and comments that you received? Absolutely. Um, the public draft was online for almost a year. And so that we got a lot of public feedback about. Um, we worked really closely with our engineering partners, our uh, whole project team, and the city council office to take that feedback um, seriously. And we did make some changes, like I mentioned, to the um, traffic signals and pedestrian crossings. And um, the, this draft has been online for two months now. And we circulated that information um, with the Pocket Green Haven Community Association and through the council office. I believe there was a city blog post as well. Um, and we have not received a ton of feedback on this iteration. I think that speaks well that we in incorporated the feedback that we got from the public draft. They have nothing left to say. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that, that's helpful. I think this was a plan. I, I know we've talked about this several times, but I'll say it was a little bit under my radar, and I've talked to neighbors who live in the Pocket Greenhaven area, and they weren't aware that it was final draft, so had a little bit of concern that maybe people, mm -hmm. you know, because it has been going on for so yeah. long, have mm -hmm. had lost some some steam around that, um, and and yeah, just might not know where things stand um, now after all your engagement. Thanks. Yeah, we'll maybe do another email blast before. Yeah, I was like maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think I think that would be very helpful, uh, Commissioner Lee. Thanks. Um, so just a little bit of a clarification of w what just went back and forth between commissioners and then what you said around a project. So like the plan to design guidelines to project pipeline, that sounds like there's some feedback loops a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so the plan can be adopted. It can be enhanced at a later date. Essentially, I'm trying to figure out if that 50-year timeline is like, I think that's a little squishy, right? So there's um, there's a plan, it can be enhanced, and then a, if, say, street design guidelines are implemented before this something here goes to project, it could, in fact, say, have a roundabout or, I don't know, a hypothetical lane reduction, um, even though that's not in this plan. Is that right? Yes. This is, this is kind of a complex question, um, and I believe that Jennifer um, gave a presentation <laughs> about the plan to project pipeline. Yeah. Um, but 
every one of these projects is unique right. and um, has its own life cycle, right? Uh, right? And so I can't really read the future, but I'd say that this plan would be like the baseline. Mm-hmm. And so we would un- it would be unlikely that we would significantly reduce the items in the plan, mm-hmm. but there's always the opportunity to enhance them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One item in this plan that we've been working together on is if the Sac River Parkway access points change, we actually have it in the plan, some language that says these crossings may change slightly based on the access points to the parkway. Sure. So those things are actually even built into the plan, that sort of contingency. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of correct me if I'm wrong, here's how I'm thinking about it. But um, So here's a plan. It has projects in their vision state and then they don't have like lane feet and you're not down to the nitty-gritty of having engineered the project yet mm-hmm. so things yeah. so it's not a project list that has those type that detailed specification those visions will be realized as those projects actually come forward yep so my, my team typically will design to like what 15 percent and then Megan and her team will bring it yeah. even more <laughs> into like the nitty-gritty details. Got it. And so this really is more about vision and values and setting um, sort of setting that vision for the future. Great. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think we're ready to talk design in this group. So I'm excited. <laughs> it's coming. You know that. I know. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, Commissioner Hopped. Um, I mean, I'll have to say the, the, the plan is not perfect. Um, I was disappointed we did not get more traction on lane reductions. Um, There are possibly alternatives in the future. There are wide median strips on Pocket Road that could be eliminated or reduced um, and allow uh, the addition of of buffered bike lanes. Um, But I think that's quite expensive and probably something that's not for the immediate future. So the plan isn't perfect, but it's got a lot of good points in it. Um, and I would move that we recommend that the City Council approve the plan in its current form. I have a motion from Commissioner Hopped. Do a second? I have a second. And a second from Commissioner Harris. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. <laughs> Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Mr. Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Haupt? Aye. Commissioner Brassel is absent. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner Banks is absent. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to stay here for the next oh, yeah. item. <laughs> <laughs> You're hanging out with us for the night. Okay. Um, Our next presentation is item number five, Streets for People, Sacramento Active Transportation Plan, Phase 1, Outreach, and it is up for review and comment. Do we have a staff presentation? We do indeed. Um, Don't worry, you don't have to listen to me talk much more, but I did want to um, reintroduce this project and introduce all of you to Sharice Padilla, who is a planner on our team. Um, My apologies for interrupting. I just want to note for the record that uh, Commissioner Gonzalez has recused himself from this item. Thank you. Um, 
I saw him leave, but I didn't know it needed to be noted. Um, so um, since there are so many new commissioners, as I was reminded in the last presentation, I'll give you a little bit of background about this um, Streets for People Active Transportation plan. Um, back in... Back in 2021, the transportation planning team introduced to this commission the Active Streets Plan. That plan was focused on active transportation and safety improvements and connectivity in three specific planning areas, North Sac, South Sac, and the Fruit Ridge Broadway community planning area. Due to staffing changes and pandemic craziness, um, we had to put the project on hold. Um, and during that long hold that was at times frustrating because we started to get momentum and then had to you know, put it on the back burner, we actually were able to find funding to expand the project citywide. So even though um, the project is citywide, we will still be focusing engagement in these three community planning areas. Um, so we did maintain the information that we gathered from all of you when we kicked off this plant. Well, some of you, the commission has changed significantly from the commission when we kicked off the active streets, um, plan back in 2021, we have all of that information. We also put together, <clears throat> excuse me, community planning teams, and we have all of their info that they gave us their feedback and we started community engagement. So we've maintained all of that in the three focus areas and we're gonna um, use that to really kick back off this project now that it is citywide. Um, I will stop here and let Sharice take the wheel. Do you want me to do this way? Sure. Thank you, Leslie. Good evening, commissioners. Okay, uh, the Streets for People plan is a citywide planning effort which expands on the previous Active Streets plan, as Leslie mentioned, to analyze the active transportation network. Although the plan will apply citywide, focused engagement and analysis will occur uh, in the three focus areas of North Sacramento, South Sacramento, and the Fruit Ridge Broadway areas. Final Streets for People plan will include an update of the Bicycle Master Plan, which last occurred in 2016, and a much-needed update of the Pedestrian Master Plan, which was last updated in 2008. This entails an assessment of existing bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure, identification of barriers to people walking, rolling, and wanting to access transit, and fundable, actionable recommendations that will improve safety and mobility and create a connected, active transportation network. The project will be divided, as you can see in the timeline, in three uh, separate phases. From now through summer and into fall of this year, we will be out in the com community engaging with residents and gathering information. In the fall, we'll be developing recommendations built from existing conditions data and community feedback. And by the spring of next year, we look forward to sharing the completed public draft of the Streets for People Sacramento Active Transportation Plan. We're currently preparing to dive into phase one of our Streets for People project outreach. Phase one, led by city staff with the support of project consult with a, excuse me, phase one, led by city staff with support from the project consultant team, We'll focus on engaging and listening to the community with the goals of acknowledging that historical policies and practices and planning processes have created inequities in the transportation system, hearing community concerns and understanding their vision for equitable investment and decision making with an emphasis in those three focus areas. 
In this process of collaboration, identifying key destinations, active transportation infrastructure gaps, and opportunities to increase connectivity and safe routes to those destinations. Phase one outreach will run through the summer and into fall of this year and will include multiple approaches to engaging with residents, including organizing a community planning team, a CPT, made up of community members who are interested in playing a more active role in the engagement process. The CPT will act as an advisory committee to the project team and is made up of residents from the three focus areas. Outreach will also include facilitating community walk and bike work, workshops or audits, two in each focus area. The goal of emphasizing uh, community concerns and barriers as well as assessing existing conditions related to active transportation. The project team in partnership with community-based organizations will host various workshops focusing on providing information about the project identifying barriers and opportunities, and developing a shared vision and goals for active transportation. Additionally, the project will host mobile or pop-up workshops to engage with community members where they are. The Streets for People website is now live and includes an interactive map and community survey where the community can provide feedback on needs and opportunities as well as recommended improvements. Points and lines can be plotted on that interactive map to indicate frequently used routes, network gaps and challenges, and major destinations. How can you get involved? SACStreetsforPeople.org is now live. We encourage you to join the mailing list and provide feedback on the interactive web map. Let us know what events are happening in your neighborhoods so that we can share information on the project to that community. Attend one of the community workshops. Share the project information with your community, including the website, and encourage them to participate in the interactive map. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Okay, it's a quiet meeting today. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much. This is really exciting to see come to fruition. Um, first question, how is feedback that was received on the transportation priorities plan that occurred last year being pulled into this? There was a lot of community engagement that went into that effort um, and maybe some misunderstanding for the community. Will that information be pulled in into this process? Absolutely. That gives us such a great jumping off point to the work that's already been done for the transportation priorities plan to really um, hone in on those values that were established for the TPP and build from there on more specific, like specific biking and walking infrastructure. That's fantastic. I'm really happy to hear about it. One of the feedback uh, that we got, so it was a great dress rehearsal for this effort. Um, we're going to learn from it and I know you guys are going to do an amazing job. Um, we heard feedback that People in North Sacramento, in my district, um, have very limited access um, to any sort of online 
media. So although these workshops are happening, they may not know about the workshops if that information is only online. You're providing a great website. I've been to it. It was one of the first people, I think, in my area providing feedback, so I'm so excited. Um, is there a way or what can you speak to the plan to reach out um, besides the website so that the community knows where they can go to the to, to participate in one of these workshops and is there a way besides the workshops that the public can be involved that isn't online? We are always trying to improve our engagement strategies and learn as we um, uh, move from project to project. Um, so if any of you have ideas about creative ways to engage, that's what we would love to hear from you. Um, we do have the community planning team for this project, though, that we're really working with to have these conversations, to hear from them what will resonate with their neighborhoods. And what we've found really is that community planning, that strategy with the community planning team is really effective for these communities that don't necessarily trust government or feel like they can reach out to us directly. Um, they're more likely to listen to a neighbor than to us, right? So we're really using them as ambassadors. Um, and those are paid positions as well. So they are being reimbursed for their time. I, I think it would be really helpful if we could get, um, you know, part of being commissioner is to, you know, help do that outreach. If there was a PDF or some sort of information that is a printable, not an e mm -hmm. I, I default the email as well. So I'm pushing myself. If there was a um, some sort of PDF that we could share with our community associations and um, ask stores to post so that they could be aware of it, that would be very helpful. And I also uh, appreciate just whoever I could work with on this further. Thank you. Thank you. That is such great feedback. We just, the website launched today, this morning. Mm -hmm. So um, we're pretty early in the phase one outreach. Um, so if you have anywhere that you think would, um, like paper surveys would be effective. I know with our Northgate and Freeport projects, it was during the pandemic. So we'd go to like um, vaccination sites and leave the paper surveys there. So while people were waiting, they would take the surveys and leave them. Um, but any introductions that you all have with community organizations that would help share out, we are thrilled to work with them. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I think some kind of like community engagement toolkit um, that you could post on the website. I'm thinking of what they do for May is Bike Month. Mm -hmm. Like on that website, if you're a partner, you can download a toolkit, it gives you all the resources and also, like, template emails that you can send to your neighbors and stuff. Yeah. Um, so recommend connecting with Saba, who um, mm -hmm. is, is leading that work. Thank um, you. Absolutely. We try to do that. <clears throat> this is unique because it's a citywide project. So yeah. it's, a, it's a big area to cover. So, again, we really appreciate you, your knowledge about your neighborhoods. Totally. Um, kind of adding some more around possible ideas. Yard signs, I think, are really effective. And I believe you all did that for your drive slowly. Mm -hmm. or, what Sacramento Grown campaign. I'm sorry, I wasn't here at the time, but I always see photos. Um, and so I think that would be awesome as well if that's within your project budget to do um, yard signs. Um, another great tool I've seen in other cities um, is they actually will do like a little sticker that goes on the sidewalk. Um, it's, it's like an adhesive. Megan's nodding. She's just, it's like an adhesive sticker. Yeah, I'm probably, right? <laughs> yeah, um, Caltrans has done it as well, um, but um, you can add a QR code to the project website. So I think that could be really useful. Folks are very familiar using QR codes now, especially um, like every restaurant I feel like is using that. Um, so I think I think that could be beneficial as well. And then you spoke a little bit about your coordination with um, or 
that there's going to be uh, transit connections to transit um, discussed within this plan. Maybe seeing if SACRT would let you put anything up, uh, do like a, a wrap on their bus or something like that. Yes, we already um, met with RT actually. Um, oh, you do? Sort of okay. a pre-kickoff meeting, and they were really supportive and excited to even um, let us um, go to light rail stations and just chat with people as they're getting on and off light rail or buses. And um, I know when on Stockton Boulevard, we actually like rode around on the bus and just chatted with people. Um, they were stuck talking to us if they're sitting on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I also think there's an opportunity with this plan to be really creative with like your social media strategy as well. So um, maybe trying to partner with the Kings. They're very popular right now um, to see if they would be willing to, I don't know, get their mascot out in the streets talking with people or just something like that. But I, I think we don't utilize social media enough for some of these like planning and policy documents. And since this is citywide, um, I think I think that would be awesome. I did have a quick question around the project consultants team. Can you um, share who's on that team? Um, and then, yeah, a little bit of background. Absolutely. The prime <clears throat> consultant is Alta Planning, and um, our um, subs are Civic Thread and Diesel Consulting, which is why Isaac had to recuse himself. Fantastic. Great to hear that you're working with um, Civic Threat. I think they've been doing a lot of good work, and especially with SACRT as well. So that connection mm -hmm. to transit, I think, um, will be huge. Uh, they're very busy, though. I'm like, wow. I've <laughs> 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 got a lot going on. Uh, so thank you um, so much. And then my last was just around those community planning teams. Um, it would be awesome if if uh, they could come and present to the Active Transportation Commission so we could hear from them um, what they're hearing from the community. So if there's a possibility to include that within the project schedule. Um, would love to from here from... That's a great idea. Okay, um, cool. We'll, we have a meeting next week with them, so we'll float that. Awesome. Great. That's all my questions. Do any other questions for the team? Okay. I'm not seeing any. Well, thank you both so much. I'm really excited about this plan. I feel like it's been a long time coming. So, yeah, excited to get future updates from you both. Absolutely. And I hope you all um, sign up for the email list. Um, and so you'll be getting the updates as we progress because we haven't scheduled those workshops yet. So we would love your help getting that word out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And participating in the interactive map. Let us know what you're hearing in your mm -hmm. community. Yeah. Oh, and I should probably mention because you're all are familiar with Jeff Jelsma. He is also on this project team and um, he's not here today. <laughs> so um, that the three of us really are um, going to be the faces of this project moving forward. Fantastic. Yeah, I know um, had the opportunity to travel with Jeff and a few others from the team at NACTO and saw some great examples in Denver of how they're doing community outreach using QR codes and yard signs and other things. So Jeff took note of that. Um, so great. Thank you again so much. Um, all right. I think this is probably our quickest meeting yet, um, but we're going to uh, just get Commissioner Gonzalez and then we'll move on to our last item.
Welcome back. Okay. Our last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members? Oh, sorry. I'm still using my old script. Apologies. Um, oh, sorry. Okay, there we go. Apologies, everybody. Uh, the next item is member comments, ideas, questions, and meeting conference report. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Uh, Commissioner Haupt. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, Commissioner Gonzalez and I were speaking last night with Council Member Valenzuela, and I've been laboring under a misconception. Um, uh, uh, I don't know how many of you are under the impression that we cannot have committees. Uh, but Councilmember Valenzuela said we can have committees. They need to be approved by the PNPE committee before we have them. Um, I think we should keep that in mind in particular for the end of year report that we do. I think it's going to be very difficult to generate that report without doing that in a committee. Thank you so much. Yeah, that is it's very helpful and you're correct. It does need to go to PNPE. Um, in regards to the report that we did last year and approved as a commission in January. Um, I've been told we're expected to present to PNPE in June. So <laughs> it's finally coming, but that's a, um, a good thing to remember that it, it does take a little bit longer than we, we were expecting. So um, I will think this is something we'll wanna discuss at our June meeting, just getting that started, the creation of a subcommittee or whatever. The procedure is. We'll make sure we do it right, uh, but I know it has changed a little bit. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, so uh, I just want to first uh, thank staff and Councilmember Valenzuela, actually uh, well-timed, uh, for a new um, stop on E and 25th Street. I used to live in um, Southside Park. You know, a lot of the grid has a lot of collisions. Um, by not having four-way stops. So these small victories are really important to the community. I used to hear a lot of collisions on S and 11th, especially late at night. Um, second thing I would like to share, um, there was a paper put out um, by Professor Susan Handy from the UC Davis Institute of Transportation Studies. Uh, the paper's title, Does Bike Share Enhance Transportation Equity? Evidence from the Sacramento, California region. And um, yes, <laughs> um, so uh, she, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, the, but to sum the paper up is they studied the bike share services from some of the commercial companies that were uh, active around here, and they found that low-income users, especially people of color and non-auto users, were far more likely than other groups to use these uh, bike share programs frequently. Um, Although they found low-income people not necessarily use it more than people of higher incomes, is that those people of lower income use, used it. Um, of those who used it, they used it far more frequently other for regular trips. So as we have this pilot program going on um, in South Sacramento, um, the evidence uh, from this latest paper say it should be quite productive for that community members. And if the pilot program is successful and there's not a, um, a private, public alter private alternative that's available to the public, um, I hope we can look to expand that, and the literature said that should be um, quite interesting. So I assume it's not a Brown Act to forward an academic paper to the rest of the commission? Uh, you'll want to forward that to staff, and then I believe, yeah, okay. Forward it to, uh, to Jennifer or Jeff, and then they'll distribute it to us. Sure. Uh, worth the read. Thank you. I'll do that later this week. Awesome. Fantastic. 
And I appreciate you highlighting uh, the four-way stop on 25th and E. That's my neighborhood. And I think it's a, a true testament to um, what the change can occur when you use 311. Um, this, this specific intersection, uh, folks had been you know, communicating the city for over 30 years, I heard. But then more recently, there was a very active 311 campaign uh, by our neighborhood association. Um, and we were able to work with Councilmember Valenzuela's office to get that stop installed. So, so far I've heard um, really positive feedback from, from neighbors and hope that we don't continue to see collisions um, in that specific intersection and across the city for that matter. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you, Chair. Um, I just wanted to share two items really quickly with the commission. Uh, last night after I saw uh, Jim and Councilmember uh, Valenzuela, I actually attended the uh, annual right of silence, which I found to be a very uh, somber and thought-provoking action. Uh, there was a group of about 60-some-odd riders who rode from uh, Capitol Mall on 15th uh, through the through the core and all the way to Sac State, where we ended in the intersection on J Street there, on the interest of Sac State, um, and, and had a moment of silence. That intersection itself um, had been for years uh, the site of many collisions with automobiles and pedestrians and cyclists, and many of those um, collisions resulted in fatalities. So it was a very uh, sombering, but uh, I thought, well, well, well use of time as a commissioner to, to just really observe that and, and be in their presence. Uh, very mindful to think about the actual people that we're actually impacting with the work that this commission and this, all this great staff here in the room uh, do each and every day. Um, and then the second thing I just wanted to share was just uh, in reviewing the EAP uh, comment online that was just in the public comment session, uh, uh, Ms. Uh, Holly, I believe it's Layard, um, just commented that she's very appreciative of the painted crosswalk that's been installed near Crocker Riverside Elementary School, but still is concerned about the speed of drivers. Um, so I don't know if anyone has the ability to reach out uh, to the person with this e-comment or if she's watching tonight. She seemed a little bit unsure if, if her comment would uh, actually reach the appropriate um, venue or, or a person who's responsible, but hoping that we can follow up with her and, and get her situation addressed. Thank you. Thank you so much. And glad that you had the opportunity to attend that ride. Um, done it in years past and unfortunately was not um, in town yesterday, but it's really important. Um, could you maybe speak to the whether or not you can follow up with residents after they submit any comment? I'm gonna look at Jacob for this one. Um, <laughs> can we respond as staff to the e-comments? Or, well, you are you are free to do so. There's no there's no obligation. And if there is a particularized question for a section of the city or a particular issue, it usually get forwarded to staff um, in a department that handles it. So if this is you know a traffic scenario, something like that, um, but you have the ability as a commissioner and as a citizen to forward it on to. Did, was this uh, person interested in particular with a, a speeding? I think the appropriate venue would be 311 for this comment. Um, so I think we would just refer them through the process. Yeah, and if there's a hard copy method to do that, that's fine as well. Thank you for the clarification. Um, I think the challenge might be is even though we can see the e-comment, we can't see their email. So staff receives the email in a way to get in contact with them. So I think we, I just don't know if it's okay for you all to send us that information but we want to make sure that their question is addressed. Allie, I'll look into it. Okay. I, I'll, have, I'll follow up on this okay. one. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. We I'm sorry, Chair Dora was proud. I'd prefer you just call me Allie, honestly. Um, Commissioner Harris. Yep. 
Oh, for that um, person who may be watching, um, I think for anyone who's interested, a good reminder, 301 is always the fastest way to get um, action on your items, and it is very effective. They are available by phone, 311, and on the app. Um, and so definitely suggest you try that um, while you may get a response from us or not. And then I think it's a great plug for this outreach and the online tool that we uh, showed today. So. Thank you so much, Commissioner Harris. Um, <laughs> we are constantly um, telling people or directing people to 311, and it seems impersonal, but it gives us the ability to track those comments and questions and concerns. And I can assure the community and all of you that we have a whole team of traffic investigators who see those and follow up on them. So it's not um, just going into a digital void. And we're actually using that data to do some analysis for our Streets for People plan as well. Great. I don't know if all council members feel this way, but mine in particular appreciates when we forward um, through one one request uh, to her after they've been submitted so that her office can track those as well. So um, might be worth a conversation with those of you on the commission who were appointed by a city council member is to see if, if they're interested in receiving um, requests that you submit or that your neighbors submit. So anyways, I feel like that's our, a lot of 311 talk for today, but it is important. So uh, thank you, everyone. All right. Now we will move on um, to the last item. Uh, which is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Lisa. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, great. My name's Lisa Tordos, and I am a Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association member and live in the neighborhood. Um, I'm calling to find the best way to elevate a concern that a lot of our neighbors on 59th Street between 10th and Broadway have, um, you know, called into 311, have had um, actual traffic studies happen uh, beginning in 2020 about the traffic on 59th. Um, the concerns there are that it is a very busy throughway um, going from, you know, off the 59th on-ramp to the Tahoe Elementary School and then up onto 65th. Um, we see a lot of walking traffic, we see bicycles, um, particularly at the intersection of 59th and 2nd, where folks uh, go down 2nd to the, the different medical um, buildings. And the original request in 2020 was <clears throat> for a stop sign at 59th and 2nd. Some traffic studies were done and denied and the last request uh, was put in, in in November of 2022. And as we see this area become busier because of all of the development that's going on, we're really worried that we're going to be putting ourselves in a situation where we have traffic calming measures put into place after somebody gets hurt. 
it's really a surprise that there hasn't been more damage um, to property or people on that stretch until this time. Thank you for your comment. Your time is complete. Um, Chair, I have no more members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you so much. I wish we could give folks a little bit more time <laughs> to finish their thought, but just encourage um, this caller to participate in the Streets for People plan. I think it's definitely going to be an opportunity to, to share a little bit more about this um, specific uh, intersection, 59th and 2nd, I believe is what was shared, um, and then also just traffic that's occurring on, on, on 59th Street as it is. So apologies that you couldn't finish uh, your thought there, but appreciate you calling in uh, today. Uh, with that, that concludes our agenda. So thank you everyone for your participation and the meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>